Friends, I felt uh, drawn this weekend to preach on the uniqueness of the Christian story. You know, each religion is a, is a kind of story, it's a narrative, whether true or not, about the relationship between the human and the divine. And Christianity has a story to tell. And I'm not sure we always tell that story particularly well. You know, it's been, I would say, kind of fashionable for the last 50 years to focus more on what is similar between all the world religions, right? And this is a good enterprise. I've been a part of many of these conversations in a religious dialogue, ecumenical dialogue, where you're focusing on common ground, the areas where we share a kind of spiritual and moral vision, right? Even a theological vision, right? These are good uh, conversations. But sometimes there's this attempt to flatten the differences, the legitimate differences between the different stories of how the world came to be, the different stories between the human and the divine. There can be an attempt to collapse all religious traditions into the same thing. I was thinking, uh, before uh, COVID, I was involved in a kind of a debate dialogue over in the student union uh, between Christianity, Islam, and Judaism. I was the Christian representative, which didn't make some of the Christian groups on campus very happy. Uh, but anyway, I was there. Uh, the imam from the mosque in Perrysburg, and then uh, a representative of Judaism. And I remember the imam in his opening statement declared, I am sick and tired of talking about what's similar between all of us. Let's talk about our differences. And I yelled out, Amen, brother. <laughs> and it's not because that isn't good intention. In fact, of course, it comes from a place of realizing that unfortunately, religious people and traditions resorted to violence to settle what are doctrinal disputes. right? And that's a terrible thing. And so all the desire to sort of make sure that we're talking about the things that unite us rather than divide us. That's a good thing. But I was excited to have a conversation in which we disagreed, right, about the differences between Islam and Christianity. I'm thinking, too, of another conversation I had with a young lady in a Chipotle parking lot um, about her coexist bumper sticker. And this is interesting. I, I'm kind of weird and creepy in the sense that I like to ask people about their bumper stickers. Um, number one, uh, from a previous homily, you should know I have kind of a suspicion of slogans. But number two, I figure if somebody is putting something on their car, they want, they're inviting me to ask about it. Like, why else would you put it on your car? Now, I'm not creepy about it. I don't pull up next to people, have them roll down their window and ask. But if the, if the opportunity presents itself, I usually ask people. So I've asked a lot of people about the coexist bumper sticker. Right? It's a very common, if you haven't seen it, it's letters of coexist with different religious symbols that make up uh, the letters. And most people I've asked about it have said uh, what you would expect them to say. They've said, um, we just want religious traditions to be able to coexist and tolerate each other in a world and not resort to violence. If that's what it means for me. And I say amen to that. If that, that's what it means, I'll get that tattooed all over my, my body. 
But one lady in the Chipotle parking lot said to me, for me it means that all religious traditions are equal paths to God. And so we had a long conversation in the Chipotle parking lot, unfortunately for her. And I, I enjoyed it. Uh, and she said, she used this phrase, going up the mountain to the divine, all religious traditions represent equally valid different roads up to the top. With a similar ETA. Use that phrase, I thought that was really interesting. With a similar ETA. And I thought, that's where I can't go. I can't go that far. Right? Because the overwhelming uh, testimony of the New Testament, right, and of Jesus is, is that there is something distinctive about Christianity. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Right? That there's something distinctive that God reveals in the person of Jesus that cannot be collapsed into the other traditions. So I couldn't say amen to that. So I was just thinking about this and how poorly we tell our story as Christians. It's often, again, a well-intentioned, right? Well-intentioned, based on horrific abuses of the past. But we don't tell our story well. Because the Christian story is really unique. And here's the part that the readings highlighted to me today. Christianity is the only religion that teaches that God was willing to undergo suffering for his creatures. Christianity is the only religion that teaches that God was willing to undergo suffering for the sake of his creation. That's unique. It's, an, it's a crazy claim. It's an incredible claim. And all the readings this weekend sort of illuminated in different ways. In the first reading, we have these oracles of the suffering servant, in which sort of blowing the mindset of the ancient uh, Israelites who envision a, a really strong and powerful coming Messiah, Isaiah prophesies about this servant who's going to take on the burden and the sufferings and the sins of others. He's going to take on their guilt and bear it for them. He, he talks about the servant is going to make a sin offering. And the, and the word there is a type of animal sacrifice that a human being couldn't be offered. A human being, a priest, could offer it, but the human being can't be the one offered. And Isaiah says, no, 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 this coming servant is actually going to become the one that's offered. He's going to be both priest and sacrifice. He's going to make the offering of his own life on behalf of all. He's going to take on the burden and the guilt of all of our sins upon himself and give his life as an offering. And then in the second reading, the letter to the Hebrews says it, I think, so beautifully. Right? We imagine a high priest that's aloof, right? that doesn't understand the strugglings of his people. Right? This is why Pope Francis says, a shepherd should smell like the sheep. Shepherds should smell like the sheep, because unfortunately, we can imagine shepherds or priests that don't smell like the sheep. But that's what the letter of the Hebrews says is so unique about this high priest that we worship, which is that he allowed himself to be tested in every way so that he can sympathize with our weakness. That he knows what we're going through. He has suffered. God has suffered. God has died in the human nature of Jesus. 
God has died. He has suffered. He knows what we go through, not just conceptually, as I would argue all other religious traditions have to try to say that God understands conceptually the problem of human weakness and human suffering, but the Christian God understands it experientially because he suffered with us. And then finally, the gospel, so much that you could say about the gospel, but that last couple lines where if you want to be first, you have to become last and to be the servant of all. You've actually got to become the slave of all. And of course, that has moral implications for our own ethics and lives and character. But it also says something about the story of Christianity, which is if God wanted to be first, he chose to become last. He chose to become a servant, a slave. Right? Paul says that in Philippians. He emptied himself and took on the form of a slave, dying a slave's death in crucifixion. He went to the bottom pit of human nature and the human experience precisely to be the servant. The servant of all. And the implication of this is huge, it seems to me. Two implications. Number one, God experiences suffering with us. He's in the hospital bed with us. He is with us in the midst of the suffering because he was there. It's uniquely Christian to be able to say that. He was there, and therefore he can be with us in the midst of it. He doesn't promise the removal of suffering. He doesn't promise the removal of death but he promises that he will be in the midst of the suffering and the death because he lived it himself, experientially. So he always carries part of the weight, I would say the heaviest part of the weight of the burden with us if we allow him. The second implication is that suffering can in fact be divine. This is unique, it seems to be, in, in the history of religion. That because God suffered, my suffering united to his can actually be a godly thing. Imagine explaining that or conceptualizing that if God had not suffered. You couldn't. Right? The only suffering, the only thing that suffering can be is a kind of instrumental good, meaning it maybe brings about some other good. But because God suffered, our suffering can be a share in God's life. Our suffering united to the suffering of Jesus can be a divine exercise. It can take on spiritual and divine meaning that it could not if Jesus hadn't gone through it first. So friends, I'm just highlighting today one aspect of the Christian story that I think is really unique. Um, we had a professor at the seminary who always say, if you run into an alien on the streets who's never been to earth before, and they, they find out you're Christian, how are you going to describe to them in two sentences how your faith is different than the other faiths of people in the world? And we had no clue. We just stumbled around and said stupid stuff. I still don't know what I'd say to the, uh, the alien. But I thought a lot about it, and I think we've got to tell our story, not to, to denigrate others. Of course not. Right? It's not to, it's not to uh, 
right? Showcase superiority, right? It's not about that. It's about entrusting ourselves to what we've inherited. The uniqueness of what Jesus is, the uniqueness of the Christian story. I think it's the most compelling story out there, but we don't even tell it. I feel like we don't tell it. And the part today that that drew me in from these readings is that God suffers with us. I think, I'm not sure another tradition can say that with the same degree of intensity precisely because the God we worship was willing to suffer in the person of Jesus for his creatures and to understand it. So friends, I'm not encouraging us not to take part in great conversations about common ground, not to look for the areas of convergence and intersection and overlap between our religious traditions. That's all wonderful, wonderfully beautiful work, work of the Spirit. Um, Nor, of course, should anyone ever resort to violence for the sake of religious truth. But what what I am suggesting is that we recover the uniqueness of the Christian narrative, the uniqueness of the Christian story, what God did in the person of Jesus Christ, because I think it's an incredible account and something that teaches us some spiritual truths that we can live by and are beautiful to live by. So let's relish uh, in the gift of our faith today and as we approach, as the second reading says today, approach the throne of grace with confidence. As we approach this throne of grace, the Eucharistic table uh, at this Mass today, let us be filled with gratitude for the gift of our faith, the gift of Jesus, and profess to proclaim uniqueness while respecting others. Proclaim the uniqueness of what God has done in the person of Jesus.